0: I can choose to put either ketchup or mayonnaise on my hamburger, or I could choose to do both. But what about choosing God for salvation, deciding on my own volition that I want Jesus? What does the Bible say? And again, at the end of the day, that is where we need to be held captive with God's Word. Hello, and welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. We all have our ideas and preconceived notions based upon what we've been taught over the years as to whether or not man has free will, the ability to choose God on his own. But God's Word has some clear direction for us in all of this, and it would do us well to sit underneath the teaching of God's Word and find out exactly what he has to say about it. So let's do just that. Again, from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast, Man's Free Will, Part 2.
1: This is the second straight Sunday that we are talking about, possibly the most controversial subject in the history of religion, philosophy, psychology, politics, and just about any other topic you want to talk about, and that is the subject of free will. It is a subject that is probably the most beloved subject of modern men. Modern man will give up anything before he gives up his faith in free will. Our understanding of free will as Bible-believing Christians is what distinguishes us from every other religion on the face of the earth what evangelical reformed christianity believes about free will separates itself from every other form of christianity and every other religion and as i said last week this is not some abstract theological treatise it is a as personal as you and i can get Because to talk about the subject of the free will is to talk about us personally. It is to talk about why you made the decisions you made this morning. It is to talk about why you will make the decisions and the choices that you will make this evening, this next week, this next month, and for the rest of your life. It is to help you understand why your mom and dad made some of the decisions that they have made in their lives as well as your wife and your husband. It is as down to earth and as personal as anything can be. For those of you who are visitors, let me repeat to you something I said last week. I will not simply be expressing my opinion on free will. Because my opinion is just as good or as bad as yours may be. What my responsibility and duty is today as a minister of the gospel is to simply do the best that I can to honestly unfold before you what the Bible teaches about free will. So have your Bibles handy. We saw last week, by way of review, that the Bible teaches clearly that God has created us with a natural liberty that makes us responsible and accountable to God for every choice and every decision and every action that we make. We are accountable beings. We are fully responsible before Almighty God for everything we do, everything we think, feel, and choose. And the Bible makes clear that God has given you and me the decision to choose whatever we want to choose Although, we don't always have the ability to carry out our choices. Like I said last week, I may choose to just fly right off of this platform. and that—but But that doesn't mean I have the ability to do so. But nevertheless, I have the freedom to choose to do it if I want to. We are not puppets, beloved. We are not automatons. We are not helpless little victims of our surroundings made by environmental pressures with no accountability of our own. Nor are we the puppets of some genetic biochemical makeup within us so that we can't help make the choices that we make. One of the great fundamental teachings of Scripture is that every man, woman, and child made in the image of God on the face of this earth has the freedom to choose whatever he wants to choose, and they are accountable before God for every choice they make. Now, so far, most Christians would agree with that. There may be a few blind determinists and some fatalists around the world that would disagree with us because they believe in evolution and other anti-Christian philosophies of life that deny man any kind of freedom whatsoever. In fact, B.F. Skinner, who wrote the book Beyond Freedom and Dignity, which unfortunately has corrupted education in this country to the core, said, human beings have no will. He said that we are simply evolved animals and poor animals at that, and we have neither freedom nor dignity. So, some anti-Christians may disagree with us already, but most people will agree that all of us have the freedom to choose whatever we want to choose, and we are fully accountable to God or some source outside of ourselves for our own choices. Now, the Bible takes a further step, as we saw last week. The Bible says that your will is not just some part of you that ups and does whatever it wants to do, whenever it feels like doing it. The human will is governed by our heart. And that heart is the core of everything that you and I are. It determines the way you look at life. It is the seed of your emotions and your preferences and your goals and your intellect. Your heart is you at the deepest level of your existence. And the makeup and the condition of your heart will determine what you are going to choose. The basic nature of you inside determines the choices you will make for the rest of your life. Just for instance, a tiger will never choose to eat celery. And a rabbit will never choose to eat pork. Why? But because it is not of the nature of a rabbit to eat pork or a tiger to eat celery. You see, it all depends on the makeup of your inner man, of your heart, of your understanding, your perspective, your deep religious commitments that determines the choices you will make and the desires that you have and your preferences. That's why we read those verses a while ago, that it all depends upon the nature of the tree as to what kind of fruit it will produce. A pear will not produce apples. A pear tree will not produce apples. And an apple tree will not produce pears. You see, Jesus made it very clear. It is what comes out of the heart. It's not what goes into a man. It's not what your environment, your surroundings make you. It is what your heart desires that makes you what you are. Man is what his heart is. A man does what his heart influences him to do. Remember, the Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Environmental pressures are real. But you are not a helpless victim and a product of your environment, no matter what the humanist says. You are not what comes into you from the outside. You are what comes out of you from the inside. For out of your heart proceeds the wills and the choices of every single man. So if a man's heart is evil if the basic commitments of his life are against god that rebellion and that evil is going to color all of his choices and if his heart is good that goodness in his heart is going to color all of his choices as well and if the inside and, and if on the inside he is partially good and partially bad then his choices will of course be mixed partially bad and partially good the point is it all depends on what you are on the inside as to what your will wills what you will choose to do in your life. So one of the basic principles of scriptures is that the will is governed by the heart. The state of the heart determines what you will what your will will choose. Now the second thing we looked at last week was the origin of man's natural liberty. Where did man get this freedom to choose whatever he would like, to which he is also accountable? Mankind is free to choose whatever he wants to choose, and he is accountable for it because of the eternal will of God. Because God willed for it to be so. Because before the beginning of time, God predestined that man would have a will. God predestined and foreordained and willed that he would create man in his own image and that that man would have accountability before God and dignity before God and freedom before God to choose whatever his heart tells him to choose. And that's why we are not puppets. It is because, beloved, of pre predestination. Now you hear a lot of people say, you Presbyterians, you don't believe in free will because you believe in predestination. You believe that God governs everything. You believe that God's will foreordains whatsoever comes to pass. So you believe that men are just simply puppets and God pulls the strings. And you are incapable of any free, significant actions. No, no, no. It's just the other way around, my friends. Consider if predestination is not true. Consider if the will of God is not in control. Consider if no one is in charge of the universe. That if there is not a sovereign God who has planned everything, that means that no one is in control. And if no one is in control, trust me, we would wish we were puppets. Because if the universe is not governed by God's great plan, then it means there is no plan, and there is then no meaning. There is no rhyme or reason to the universe And nothing could then make any sense. Today, one plus one equals two. But tomorrow, one plus one could equal orange. And then all you are is a little chip of wood tossed to and fro on a shoreless, bottomless open where there is absolutely no meaning to life. If no one is control, you are a puppet at best. What does the Bible teach? The Bible teaches God is in control. There is a personal God who holds the reins of the universe, and His will, not man's will, not your will, is ultimate. You have a will for one reason. God Willed it. Therefore, whenever you think of your own will and your freedom to choose, you must always think of it in terms of its origin, God. Your will is not free from the will of Almighty God. Now, a lot of people today, when they think of free will, that's what they actually mean. When they say free will, what they really mean is a sovereign will. They mean an autonomous will. I am free from the control of God's will. Oh, no, you're not. Modern man thinks I can will whatever I want. My will is ultimate. Oh, no, it isn't. isn't. As I said last week, will what you're going to be, that you are going to be rich and happy for the rest of your life, and that you're never going to get sick and die. Go ahead. Will it right now. If your will is as ultimate as you think it is, will it right now. Go ahead and will to live forever. Now, if God wills for you to live forever, you will live forever. And if God wills for you to die right this minute, you will die right this minute. And when God willed for you to be born... You were born. And if God wills for you to be rich, you will be rich. And if He wills for you to be poor, you will be poor. You see, you can will for whatever you want. But if God hasn't willed it, you'll not get it. Your will, beloved, is under the control of the will of God. And the Bible says that the only reason you have any freedom is that God has willed that He will protect and preserve your freedom to choose whatever your heart dictates for you to choose. So when you talk about free will, if you're going to talk about it from a biblical perspective, we must always understand it is governed by the heart, and we must also understand that it is never free from the control of the sovereign will of God. Remember the quote I presented last week from Proverbs. It says, The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You see, we can come up with plans out of our wills and our choices and our desires. And our plans will always fail if God is not the one directing our paths. We may make plans today after church to go over to a friend's house to visit. But God may will that as you travel to your friend's house, your car breaks down. Man plans his life, but God's will directs his steps. Therefore, the words free will in and of themselves is a misleading phrase. You know, we talk about people cleaning up their language if they're blaspheming or using foul language. Well, we need to clean up our theological language today. Why do we even use that phrase, free will? You know, it's very misleading. Oh, we know we have a will, we know we have the freedom to choose whatever our heart tells us to choose. But the words free will are so misleading. And let me tell you why. It's not free, first of all, from the heart. The words free will makes it sound like the will itself is free to do whatever it wants to do. But the will is governed by the state of our hearts. Second, the will is not free from the control of God's will. Third, it is not free from the influence of human depravity and sin. If you have sin in your heart, that sin is going to influence your will. Fourth, it's not free from the influence of grace. If you are a Christian, God's grace is at work in your heart. And He is giving you new desires and new hopes and new strengths and new dreams. That grace and the work of God in your heart is going to influence you and, and you will, will, and will influence what you will and what you choose to do and what you desire. You see, your will is not free. And moreover, most of the time when people use the phrase free will, they will mean, as I have already said, a sovereign will. And then they shake their puny little fist in the face of God as if God cannot control or will our choices. So my recommendation to you in light of these biblical passages today is to junk the phrase free will. Because it is not free from these various influences. Now that is not to deny man's natural ability for which he is accountable to make decisions before God. Now, let's go on to another subject that we didn't get to last week. And that is the history of man's free will from Adam to heaven man's natural liberty to choose from Adam to heaven. Now, what in the world am I talking about? Well, one of the basic issues among Christians in this debate about free will is whether or not people have the freedom and ability to choose good, to choose God in Christ whenever they have a notion to do so. You see, that's really the heart of the issue. Does everybody have the freedom and the ability to choose good and to choose to love God and to choose to believe in Jesus and choose to become a Christian any time they take a notion to do it? Or is there some limits or restraints upon their ability to choose good or to choose to follow God or to choose to believe in Jesus? You see, your answer to that question will determine whether you stand in the stream of the Protestant Reformation that has been flowing for 450 years, and that streams through Scripture, or whether you stand outside the stream of biblical teaching and the Protestant Reformation. That is the issue I want us to deal with today. Does everyone have the natural ability and freedom to choose to do good, to choose to love God, to choose to believe in Jesus, to choose to become a Christian, any they have the notion to do so. And all you have to do is just persuade them to do it. Or is there some kind of limitation or some kind of restraint on man's ability to choose so he can't do it on his own accord. Well, there was a book written about 300 years ago called Human Nature in Its Fourfold State. And I highly recommend this book to you. It's written by Pastor Thomas Boston. I'm sure in those days he would have rather been called Reverend Thomas Boston. But this is a tremendous biblical study of the history of the human will from Adam, the very first man until we all get to heaven. And he found in scripture that there are four conditions throughout the history of mankind in which you see the human will. It all depends on what phase of history one is talking about as to what kind of freedom and ability a man or a woman has. First of all, We're talking about the nature of the human will in man before he fell into sin. In other words, when Adam and Eve were created, they were created perfect. So what was their will like before they ate of that forbidden fruit? What was the human will like when man was originally created before he fell into sin? Then the second phase of human will. What is the will now like after the fall? And before conversion. Since Adam's fall into sin, all of us are born sinners, and our will and our natural abilities are different than Adam's were. Then there is a third phase, and the human will is, is different in this phase as well, and that is the phase in a human's life after he is converted and before his death. And then the fourth phase is the nature of the human will. After death.
0: And that is Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. As we close out our time today, I'd leave you with our address, phone number, and our website. We'd love to hear from you. It always means a great deal to us when we hear somebody who has been listening to the program and being encouraged by it. It makes a big deal for us. 408-866-5607 is that phone number. Again, call us, 408-866-5607. Or visit our website and leave us an email, reformedheritage.org. That's reformedheritage.org. We also have past messages available, uh, an extensive library of audio that you can tap into at any time for free. Right there at our website, again, reformedheritage.org. Other resource materials are available from that website as well. If you'd rather write to us, the address is Abounding Grace, PMB 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That is here in Los Gatos. The zip code is 95032. Normally, we'd invite you to join us for worship, but since we have been suspended because of the COVID-19 crisis, we invite you to visit our website instead and pick out a couple of recent messages that Pastor Gary has delivered here at Reformed Heritage Church. Again, reformedheritage.org. We'll also give you updates at that website as to when we return to normal worship. And you're always welcome to call us as well for that kind of information, 408-866-5607. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner.